All right, well, this is Tony. I'm live right here beside the Redcoat Band. Yeah. Redcoats, give a go dog! Go dog! And that was, that was the Redcoats giving a go dogs post game. If you hate Auburn, say yeah. All right, we'll see y'all later this week. Go dogs. <laughs> that was great, Tony. I appreciate you capturing that audio from Lexington. It seems to me that Tony has now turned his recent road trips into a man-on-the-street-styled interview opportunity for this podcast, and I love it. I especially loved how the Redcoats seem to be turning their attention now to Auburn. Did you catch that at the end? Anyway, uh, my name is Scott Duvall, and this is episode 65 of the Wait Since Last Saturday podcast. Georgia, thanks to the right foot of Rodrigo Blankenship, pulled out a much-needed victory over the Cats 27-24 this past Saturday night. So has the offense turned a corner? Eh, it's hard to tell because we've seen this before throughout the season, only for it to be short-lived. The balanced offensive approach seen by Georgia versus Kentucky could prove to be important for the last three home games of the year. So sit back and enjoy the spirited recap of the win in Lexington as we quickly turn our attention to Auburn for a 3.30 CBS kickoff this coming Saturday. Here's Will. It is exactly what I thought and hoped would happen this year. My goal for the 2016 Georgia football season was to play spoiler to Kentucky. <laughs> well, that yeah. worked. That's what we thought was going to happen. It's a good time. So <laughs> I know that like, you know, we talked about this a little bit, the Vanderbilt game. You can never, we should never, ever lose to Vanderbilt. And certainly we should never, ever be so excited about beating Kentucky. But, you know, should we be so excited about being Kentucky when, in, in, when you consider the co- context of everything going on? Is this a good win or is this a, just avoiding a disaster loss? Absolutely, it's a good win. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited about it. I, I think my mood changed from the past couple of weeks. I was like, I was listening back to some of the podcasts and stuff I was talking about, and I was just like Debbie Downer. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was ridiculous. So I've, I've kind of made an attitude adjustment right now. That, that was a great game. It was a great win. I loved how um, when, it, when it came down to the clutch, you know, especially in the third quarter, fourth quarter, it, it was teeter-tottery, if that's a word. But the last two drives, Georgia puts points on the board. And you know those 10 points right there pretty much helped them seal the victory. I mean, what I like about it is that we're, we finally found some semblance of what uh, it may be some functional offense on a regular basis with some of the passing in the second half. And I think what we saw in the first half is exactly what we what, what we talked about on the podcast, which is, you know, we're going to ground it out, going to pound it into them, try to wear them out. And lo and behold, it worked because they were really on their heels that last drive. I mean, I think if we'd had a, a 30 more seconds, we'd have gotten a touchdown. And, I, you know, for the first time all season, when Blankenship came out to kick that, what was it, 34 yard or whatever? I felt really good about it. We had a 50-yarder. Anytime we hit a 50-yarder, we should win, right? So, I mean, it's crazy to me. We turned the ball over inside our own 30 twice and still won the ball game. So, Yeah, how about, by the way, I, Tony, you probably didn't see this because you were at the game. How about Rodrigo Blankenship keeping his helmet and glasses <laughs> on weird. during the post-game interview? I thought that was so awesome. I don't know why. I just he thought that was so, terrific. Oh. Yeah, he, he became America's sweetheart this weekend. He became <laughs> yeah. an internet meme, yeah. <laughs> yeah, glorious. He's showing up everywhere. I saw someone that uh, photoshopped him on the Heisman Trophy and with the mustache <laughs> and the goggles and all. It's great. Yeah. 
considering the first four games of this year, people were like, I mean, the most, the most, literally the most frustrating thing about this team, among many frustrating things, was the kicking game. And now, I, yeah, we've got a full key row uh, on our hands. Uh, the running game seemed to get going a little bit. Do you guys put that more as a Kentucky thing or maybe Georgia finally getting his act together a little bit? I mean, I think it's a little both. I think if you look at the first half of the run we had, we were, where we had success, Kentucky wasn't challenging us in the middle uh, as much. And as they went on, they decided, you know what, even though you got a touchdown on your first drive with a crossing pattern, you're going to have to beat us with, with Eason. Um, and they started putting seven, eight, even sometimes nine in the box. I, I will say, though, our offense looked better after Catalina went out, and I didn't really see him come back in. Uh, I think we moved Wynn over to left tackle, maybe. Uh, we just looked, looked a little better. Now, it could be a product of, you know, proper game plan, which is to make those that, their young, thin defensive line wear, you know, wear them out. And, but still, I was fairly happy with the, past, with the last two drives, how we blocked. I got nothing else to add because it was just there. There was no you didn't you didn't hear stuff talked about like hidden yardage and that, I mean that's a term that I've really only been familiar with this year because the hidden yardage and the bad special teams we had some special teams gaffes. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie uh, I think is pretty much uh, gonna <laughs> yeah. he's gonna he's gonna make us pull uh, our hair out. Yeah. Um, it makes this crazy. Year. It makes me absolutely crazy to like because I love like I love the guy. Yeah, fast everybody loves him. But man, oh man, that's it's just it drives you nuts. It does. Who knows? I mean, they can they can work on that over over the week of practice. But the offense impressed me. I, I yeah, we had Nick Chubb had two fumble loss, but he just doesn't do that. It was an anomaly. I know he's done it a couple times in the past three weeks, but you just got to think. Okay, Nick Chubb's going to be Nick Chubb. He's he's going to get right against Auburn. But it was really good to see Sony Michelle bounce it outside because that's what we were doing against North Carolina. And we hadn't really seen it, you know. Even our our long our big rushing stats against South Carolina was it was kind of up the middle, and that's I think what gave Jim Chaney all that false hope over uh, the the couple games against Vanderbilt and Florida afterwards. But be able to bounce it outside with Sony and uh, and Nick, it, it helped mix it up for for Easton and opened up the middle. Well, I was gonna say I like my chances anytime you get Sony outside. That the touchdown he had, he was running right towards. I mean, I literally when I sat I sat beside the band. I was sat beside the band. I mean, the base drummer was shoulder to shoulder with me and he was running right towards us. When he hit that corner, I looked over at, uh, I looked over my buddy, uh, Paul and was like, he's about to score here. He's like, no way. And he came around that corner and he just, the, the cornerback had no chance to put a corner, put an angle on him. It was just, it was a really, really nice play. I have to say for a team that's got a freshman, a true freshman quarterback, this is now three times. That yes. Eason has had them on a drive to win or to drive basically to win the game. And he has succeeded all three times. Like, listen, clearly, like, I think there's still, he still gets a little amped up and overthrows sometimes. But to me, I mean, that that's the type of thing. By the time he's a junior, they're going to bronze the guy. <laughs> I sure. mean, this is three comebacks, three winning drives, or I guess two and what should have been a third, winning drives in, in, in his freshman year. That is, regardless of whatever moves, he, whatever pr- progress he needs to make, that's really exciting to have a freshman quarterback with that kind of poise and that kind of comfort to be able to, to make that run like that. You can see the comfort he's uh, established with Isaac Nada. Uh, if it weren't for Isaac Nada... I don't know. Maybe still win the game. You know, I think Nada and Blankenship were two of the big players in this game, obviously. But that rapport, that receiver rapport he's gotten with Nada, it's like his escape clause 
being able to kind of bail him out at times. And of course, he's targeted a lot of times. But, you know, Wims had a great game. It was like a breakout game for Wims with that beautiful catch uh, where he stretched out. Looked like uh, Taylor Gabriel uh, against the Packers for the Falcons a couple weeks ago catching that ball. But I think uh, if if you don't mind, I'd like to switch it to defense a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the defense was getting pushed by that Wildcat and uh, Benny Snell. But would you agree that I think the play of the game was Kirby Smart's timeout as they're driving down with the Wildcat when it's third down and third and goal? Oh, it was incredible. And the funny thing was, is I was yelling. Um, I was yelling. Actually, Bernie Dog and I were talking. He's got to call a timeout here. They're on their heels. Got to call a timeout. And the funny thing is he come, comes back after the game and makes the quote. Well, I'd like to say that I, that was a conscious decision. We just had a couple of freshmen in line up in the wrong place. So we had to call a timeout. But by God, it worked. Well, Tony, you probably didn't see it. But on on the broadcast, it right after he called that timeout, you can see Mark Stoops losing his mind and yelling at uh, Eddie Grand. He was like, "I want to throw the ball." You know, he wasn't covering his mouth or anything. He was like, "Dude, I want to yeah. throw it right here." And and then Parrish yeah. steps up and makes a great play. That's right. No, you're right. I didn't notice that. It was beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a stop of the game. Yeah, yeah, and I will say that you know one of the major complaints that. The, not just us, but I think everybody has had, has been fear sometimes that the coaching staff, you could tell this was a first year head coach. I felt there were some steps forward made in this game that I found that's what we'd really been looking for. I didn't see a lot of those. Wait, what are they doing? This is games getting away from him a little bit. This was a game where it felt that frankly, Kirby mostly was pretty much in charge and making, making the right decisions at the right time. You're talking about the sideline interference now, aren't you? Yes, well, other than that. Yes, yes, other than that. Uh, there was all kinds of stuff I saw in that game. I've never seen a review of a review. Sideline interference. Yeah, how do you, like, you like it uh, when they said, we saw a new angle on this fumble, and we're going to reverse it? Yes. Well, in the stadium, it was so confusing because they replayed that play about 50 times. Let me tell you what plays they didn't replay. The Kentucky fumble. Um, but, you know, that's, and that's fine. You're, that's home cooking for you. They also played their music to like literally the second before we snapped. I'm really surprised the officials didn't cut that out. But Yeah, I mean, the Falcons um, lost, but, lost draft pick for doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you know, Kentucky, Kentucky's not Ole Miss. I don't lose a draft pick. Um, so, <laughs> but, you know, the, the, the interesting thing about it is the double is a long, that was a long time because he came back, he comes out of the, he comes out from out of the headset and says, play stands as called and then he's like he goes back and i'm like well they must be looking at the clock or something i don't understand what's going on he's like we've reviewed the review I'm like he just said that oh my gosh he just said that <laughs> so uh, yes. i'm happy it turned out uh, and it is worth noting that one of the reasons i think it's okay to be excited about this win i think there's two reasons one avoiding something bad and one doing something good the avoiding something bad is now the nightmare scenario of georgia not making a bowl game is pretty much off the table now assuming something, right. something well, terrible you, yeah you probably probably so probably yeah. so yeah, yeah like i yeah. mean we still have some adventure left yes yes but the nightmare scenario which i think really was the nightmare scenario and was again as we mentioned last week on the table is now off the table but to me one of the most encouraging things about this win is this I think you can make an argument this is probably the biggest Kentucky football game in several in many years like they were legitimately going to be alone in first place in the SEC East it's that like they still were not that their ticket to Atlanta was far from punched but clearly this was the a huge game for them that the crowd was really amped up for on a on a with a night game everyone for it certainly it came across that way on television was it actually pretty loud in there for for a Kentucky football game Tony 
Oh yeah, it was easily the best Kentucky crowd I'd ever been a uh, game I'd been to. Um, I mean, it was packed. It was I suffer the Georgia section. Uh, there was the fewest number of Georgia fans I'd ever seen there. Uh, you know, I was a couple of people I was with. They actually mentioned that I mean, they were there in the '96 rain game, Scott, which I think is the one you went to, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and said he said there were more people at that game than there were at this game. But I, I, you know, I'm saying the Kentucky fans stayed into it until we started driving. And then they went, started going for the exits. We passed the fifty. And this is—I mean, wow. I'm not—I'm not being snarky. They wow. headed for the exits. This was a play they had seen many times before. So it's funny. The stadium has a very basketball feel to what they do. The, the dancers go out every every break and play, and they have you know they had a t-shirt cannon, uh, and it, it, you know you could tell they're a basketball school. But they were the crowd was in it. Uh, and let's put aside the fact that they suck because they copied something South Carolina does. Let's be clear. If you're copying what South Carolina does, you're really going the wrong direction. But <laughs> it was loud. It was definitely loud. So now we, we, we're, we've avoided the disaster scenario, and now we've got, three, we've got three home games to close out. To me, that's kind of encouraging. That's kind of a, a fun way to look at it. Is two out of three, the, what, I, I guess we'll preview the game later, but this does feel like the most encouraging. Obviously, they've lost a bunch of games recently, but this felt like the most encouraging thing. To me, Auburn did not look great. Against Vanderbilt, and does this and encourage- dealing with some injuries? Yeah. So, does this encourage you? I know there's a whole preview podcast to go, but this is uh, to me the nightmare. So, they lose this game, and then they just get go into Auburn with Auburn in the top five or top ten and soaring and wipe them out, and all of a sudden they're two games under backs against the wall. And now I I find myself feeling kind of I don't know about winning Auburn, but certainly I think it's on the table. I think it's something that I'm a lot more excited about going to the game, which is now the three thirty game. By the way, we now know that time. That's kind of exciting. Too. Yeah, we get to say goodbye to Uncle Vern again. Yes, that's yes. right. Yeah, we thought we thought last time he was going to be here that it was be his, that it would be his last. But here's the thing: I think that the the victory, you know, last second field goal victory. Everybody loves Rodrigo now. Kirby did a great job of managing the game. Eason brought us down. Sony's looking great. Nick Chubb's Nick Chubb. Our defense was solid. And then we draw just kind of, a, it was a surprising draw shortly after the game ended to get the 3:30 CBS game. Auburn struggled and won. They're going to be like number eight or seven in, in the country. We can completely wreck Auburn's season. They have not won here in, in Athens since 2005. They're going to be coming in, and they're going to be all, uh, you know, uptight. I guarantee you, they're going to be uptight because they have not had a lot of success here. And if we can get out and jump out on them early, because that crowd's going to be rocking. A three thirty game. I think a lot of Georgia fans probably feel like me, where we were kind of bordering on the apathetic side, but then kind of got pulled back. It's kind of like Mavericks reengaging. You know, we were we were not engaged, <laughs> and so Mavericks reengaging. The music comes up. You know, Iceman's happy. You know, we're going to go in there and, and cover cover our wingman. And so that's that's what we're going to do. We're the wingman this week in Athens, and we are going to be raucous. It's going to be loud, and Auburn is going to not even know it hit them. I have a feeling. And we'll get into that. But first quarter, second quarter is key this weekend. I'm excited. Oh, I love it. You can ride my well, tail anytime. <laughs> well, that's nice. I'm going to say since you're pandering to me, Scott, with the Top Gun talk, uh, I'll talk a little bit about the uniforms. They, uh, they wore their chrome helmets, and they were um, – they were very shiny, even for a night game. Yeah, they, they show they show scuffs way too much. That, that bothered me on on TV. There, yeah, there's, there's, I, there, my, we, we were at a uh, charity event and watching it at Athens Cine, watching the game, and the, there were much comments. I, I would say half of the comments about the game involved the helmets. Wow. 
I also would like to note, by the way, that in that first half, it was looking a little rough. There were actually people there in Athens, Georgia, wondering if we should switch the game to LSU, Alabama. And I oh. almost, I know, I know, I know. Well, but, Brent Musburger wanted to do the same thing. He kept updating the Alabama yeah, game. Yeah, but he could do that. He's not in Athens. Um, but uh, all right. Well, well, plus- I don't think those people had the same money on the game that Brent does. That's true. That's true. true. All right. Well, I would like to thank you guys for making it this long in the podcast without bringing up the Cubs. Uh, We are in the darkest timeline now. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm glad to report that that, uh, contrary to my belief going in, the Earth did not careen off its axis and crash into the sun because the (laughs) Cubs won the World Series. But yes, the Cubs did win the World Series. And at least it was fun, right? Like, it was amazing to me the number of people that t- talk about bait. Like, freaking Spencer Hall was into the World Series this year. That is how you know that this Imagine was an that, exciting yeah. World Series. That's how, that, that's, that's how you know it was a good World Series. What were the ratings like on that? Oh, I'm was, sure they were off the charts. Yeah, I think it beat... One of the most amazing <laughs> sets for me was that it blew away the Warriors-Cavs Game 7. Yeah, it was it was the most watched game seven since the ninety one World Series. Yeah, it was wild, and it's, and and again, a lot of that's because of the Cubs. But also, that was an amazing game. That was an absolutely amazing game. I mentioned before, uh, I mentioned on uh, in my column that that I tackled poor Phil Rogers of the uh, formerly of the Chicago Tribune, now of MLB dot com, who I was sitting next to in the press box when Raj- Rajai Davis hit that home run. I literally jumped up and screamed, "Oh my god! Oh my god!" and tackled the seventy year old man next to me. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's. That seems right. Yeah, that, that seems, seems right. 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 So, well, my Cubs, my Cubs buddies, including Paul, who came all the way from Bloomington to watch this game in Kentucky with us, yeah, they were very impressed with uh, how magnanimous you were in your SOE article. So, well done. If you get you're doing something right, if you're able to you know convey something in a special way that you do. And still talk about Cubs winning a World Series because that's hard. Well, let's uh, as long as they're real Cubs fans and not those. I'd like to know. Uh, here's my last thing I'll mention about this. Uh, my friend and your friend, our friend uh, Tim Kelly, sent me a photo of a, of some Facebook guy who he's pretty sure was rooting for the Royals a year ago. So everybody had this experience with Facebook of being like, my cubbies are going to do it. My cubbies are going to do it. That you think they were probably rooting for the Royals years ago. He was, he, he went to Georgia and he posted a selfie of himself in an Alabama hat and a Cubs Jersey. And I was like, yep, oh, those God. are the people. Those are the Cubs fans that are going to come out of the woodwork. Now I tried to warn everyone. I tried to warn everyone. <laughs> they're going to turn into the Red Sox. The way that you hate the Red Sox is the way you're about to hate the Cubs. So everybody enjoy this short little period where everyone's having fun and happy Cub land and Bill Murray's on them in Saturday Night Live, and Eddie Vert, Matt Vetter is crawling around in the dirt or whatever the hell he was doing at home plate. Everybody can all have a fun time, and then uh, we can go back uh, to uh, to baseball as it's supposed to be. That was good. That was all real right, good. Well, uh, I got lots of. I got you, you. Got you think I'm right now? You know the election's Tuesday. But let's move on. Um, <laughs> also, I have to say, at that party, I met a couple listeners to this podcast. By the way, at the Athens awesome. party, who said they recognized Very my cool. they recognized my voice, but I felt that was a bad sign. <laughs> <laughs> it does it does stand out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, all right, guys. Well, I'm excited. Finally, a home game. It feels like it's forever since we've had a home game. Are we going to see you in person this week? You uh, well, it's election night, so election. I would have to. I I have to, I I will not be able to do it in person week just because it's election night. That is going to be, and then I'll have to leave for New York the next morning. So, but uh, if uh-huh. we all survive the election night, depending on which way it goes, it's possible that everyone in my profession will be thrown in the gulag, depending what happens on Tuesday night. So, uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But um, otherwise, <laughs> um, otherwise we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But mostly, uh, exciting win. I'm feeling good about it. how are you guys feeling. Oh, I'm, I'm going to go dogs. Go Amen. dogs. Go dogs. Also, basketball Friday. 
Also, go dogs. Thanks so much for listening. Eighth-ranked Auburn comes knocking this week as the Bulldogs are poised to be able to completely wreck the Tigers' season. And wouldn't that be so much fun? In the meantime, you can send any questions or comments you have for us. Send it to us by Wednesday of this week, and we will try our best to answer them on the next show. If you're on Twitter, our handle is at WSLS Podcast. If you're not on Twitter, little known fact here because we've never really broadcasted it, you can email us. It is at, no, it is not at, it is WSLSpodcast at gmail.com. That's WSLSpodcast at gmail.com. So let's enjoy this one for a couple more days as we look forward to the dogs finishing this year strong. We will be back on Thursday for our Georgia-Auburn preview show. Until then, hope you have a great week. Go dogs, and we'll be seeing you on campus this Saturday. Take care.